Also have a loaner program with Clean Canteen so that if people don't bring reusable water bottles, we're not going to shame them and say, hey, stop buying that single-use plastic water bottle. But we are going to say, hey, you can use this water bottle while you're here and maybe consider buying a reusable water bottle when you get home. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing um, is definitely like focused on minimizing our impact here, but more importantly for us is sending mm-hmm. our guests back you home. Take back, yeah. yeah. Hi everyone, welcome to Now Boarding, a new travel podcast by me, Payal Nair. This show aims at creating awareness about ecotourism, sustainable tourism, responsible travel, and a lot more. We will cover stories and journeys of people who are ecotourism specialists and those who are leaders in their field. We will also be talking to people who have had unique travel experiences, remarkable conceptual places to stay, unexplored cultures and ancient histories of various towns and cities around the world. Join me in this journey of knowing more about travel. Get inspired to see the world and discover your inner self. Hi, everyone. Today, I am in conversation with Travis Bays. Um, Travis is the co-founder of Bodhi Surf Plus Yoga, which is um, a retreat that's based out of Costa Rica. It's a sustainable and eco-friendly business with a mission to educate, inspire, and empower their stakeholders to live more sustainably through surfing, yoga, nature immersion, and community engagement. Thank you so much for joining me today, Travis. Thank you for having me. That's a big mission statement, right? <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you're you're um you're very passionately working towards it. So um I just wanted to start off by asking you a little bit about you. Um you know I, I understand that you're not really from um, Costa Rica, but you've made it your home now. So just a little background on you and what made you actually um, come to Costa Rica? Yeah, thank you. So I'm actually what people um, call a Tingo, a Tico gringo. So Costa Ricans are commonly known as Ticos and foreigners are commonly known as gringos. And when you become a little bit of both of those, they call them a tingo, a tico gringo. So I wasn't born and raised here, but I have spent 17 years of my life here. And I came here at the age of 25. I'm originally from San Diego, California. And I came here as a Peace Corps volunteer. The Peace Corps is a United States organization that sends volunteers to countries that have solicited our support And so Costa Rica has solicited Peace Corps to be of service to the country since the early 60s. And I came in 2005 to work in small business development. So my job while uh, living down here in this community from 2005 to 2007 was to help people start small businesses. And that's what I did until I moved to San Jose and met Pilar, my wife, and fell in love with her. Okay. And and then you ended up starting a business of your own. Exactly, okay. <laughs> exactly. So, in, yeah, so that, that was uh, in 2007, I moved to San Jose, the capital of Costa Rica. I fall in love with Pilar and my contract with Peace Corps is ending. I have 
no real future job arrangements in the United States. I had no commitments in Costa Rica, aside from this lovely woman that I was falling in love with. And it just so happened that I got offered a job from a nonprofit to help start community banking systems, microfinance banking systems down in this part of the country. And so I asked Pilar at that time, hey, do you want to come move down here with me? And she said, yes. Okay. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> and I understand you have to, you just mentioned that you have two beautiful daughters. Yes. So we have Maya, Maya Paz, who's uh, 12 years old. And we also have Clea James, who's seven. Okay. And those two young ladies are loving nature down here. And there's screen time, too. I have to be uh, honest. Course. <laughs> of course. Okay, so um, how did, you know, the the retreat actually come about? And what are the kind of programs that you offer um, at the retreat? So that's, you know, what I'm going to start off with. And then, of course, I want to understand a lot more from you about, um, you know, the the community and how you engage with them and sustainability and all of that. But to start with, um, let's just establish how you actually, um, what brought you um, to actually set up the retreat and, um, and, you know, and what, like I asked, what are the programs that you offer and, um, and why surf and yoga? Okay. So there are a few different things that happened for Bodhi to be born, so to speak. Um, while doing my consulting work, uh, a colleague of mine who was older than me had asked me one day, returning from the consulting of doing the microfinance community banking systems, he said, Travis, what do you want to do in your future? And I said, I don't know. I want to be a consultant like you. He said, well, that's really hit or miss. You know, uh, sometimes you get contracts and other times you don't. He said, but what do you really enjoy? And I said, I enjoy surfing, non-formal education, and environmental conservation. And he said, why don't you start a surf school that incorporates those three elements? And I was like, oh, that's an idea. The other story or other part was that uh, another colleague of mine, an old friend, eh, and I had been talking about doing something together. And so what ended up happening is Pilar and I were married at the time and my friend who was a business partner and his wife, we talked and we two married each other, so to speak, in the creation of the business. And the name Bodhi is what really gives meaning to the business because Bodhi is a Sanskrit word coming out of India that when translated into English, can mean enlightenment, awakening, consciousness. And the ideas that we're using are four tools, surfing, yoga, nature immersion, and community engagement to facilitate an experience that gets people to start thinking about their impact on the environment and to start thinking about the relationship that they have with themselves. So there's a lot more backstory to the, born, uh, the, the, the birth of the company, but that's the short story. Um, it's been a fun ride and what we're offering specifically are one week and two week programs. 
that incorporate those four elements, surfing, yoga, nature immersion, and community engagement. Now we added a fifth element, which goes under the category of surfing, but it's called body surfing. It's surfing using your body and not a board. So we also have, and we are, at least we believe we are one of the first, if not the first in the world to actually offer a week long experience teaching people the art of body surfing, which really is the most ancient way that humans uh, interacted with the ocean in terms of surfing. Before the creation of the surfboard or the canoe, uh, humans were just really basically trying to mimic the ocean animals like dolphins and fish that they would see swimming and surfing the waves. So, um, so does that... So does that mean that with body surfing, you can be a sustainable surfer because you're not using, um, a, you know, a board and you're not, um, so you, there's no um, reason for you to physically endanger marine life, right? Well, so I think that there's a couple of things. Body surfing doesn't require a lot of equipment. So from a consumerist standpoint, you don't have to consume a lot of things to be able to body surf. You really just need a pair of fins for safety purposes and to help you catch the waves. And that's it. Um, there has been the creation of a hand plane, which is like a mini board that goes on your hand to help guide you and help float you. So that's another piece of equipment that you can opt to buy. Um, so yeah, it's less of a consumerist industry. Um, it doesn't require a bunch of equipment. And the only thing that I would say that, you know, uh, you know, it can impact the, the ocean is which type of sunscreen you're using, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you're coating your body with a chemical sunscreen, you're obviously damaging your skin, which is the largest living organism, right, of our body. And furthermore, uh, that chemical sunscreen can hurt the the ocean, right? So, but it's definitely less impactful, I would say. And there isn't a huge industry around body surfing yet uh, because there isn't all this other equipment and fashion associated with it. It's kind of a minim minimalist approach to enjoying the ocean. To, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so moving on to, you know, before I, before I ask you this, uh, what do you understand by ecotourism? What does that moon? I mean, what, what does it really, um, mean to you, uh, when we talk about ecotourism, because your retreat, I would say is an ecotourism retreat, right? Yes, yes. So I think there's, you know, your definition that you can look up in the Webster's Dictionary. Um, and then there's what you put meaning to, right? And so the word eco for me goes into ecology. And so when I think of it, it's really about putting people out into nature to be able to connect. So there's this movement it's been going on for several years, this mindfulness movement. And a lot of it speaks about going inward, inward, inward into 
and letting the ego go, but it's always inward. And what I really appreciate about what we're doing is we're bringing people out into nature where you're subject to being present, especially in the ocean, because if you're not present, you're going to get smacked up by the wave, right? And so for me, the ecotourism uh, where I give meaning to it is that I'm putting people back into a natural state where they're forced to be present. They're not going in, actually. They're actually being forced to adapt to the outer, which they typically can't control, which usually causes a lot of anxiety, which then helps them to learn tools to control the inner through breathing and breath work, which is where like the yoga really helps in terms of complementing the surfing, not only the, the physical postures, but more importantly, like the breath work that's done in yoga. And obviously the lessons that yoga can teach us off the mat, which are oftentimes overlooked, but they are very environmentally conscious yeah. um, and promote living simply. And so surfers, in my opinion, should live simply. A lot of us don't, and a lot of us consume a lot of things that are unnecessary and that end up harming the very playing field, Mother Ocean, that we use. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the uh, environmental sustainable measures that you are taking in your retreat? You know, we all talk about... <laughs> Uh, the seven principles of sustainable living, the 10 R's of sustainable living. So how much of that have you actually incorporated um, in your retreat? The practices that, you know, you ensure uh, help in um, creating this very sustainable environment for Bolvi. Yeah, so... You know, we aren't a lodge that's off the grid. We're not a lodge that has farm to table. So there's a lot of things that we aren't doing, to be completely honest. Um, and I think, to be frank, our guests actually appreciate that because the things that we are doing seem actually more accessible for them when they go home to be able to implement Let's take the example of you in Barcelona right now. Barcelona is a huge city. Yeah. If you go to an off the grid lodge to try and learn about sustainability, you're gonna learn about a really lovely way of life. But what about that retreat are you actually going to be able to take back home with you and implement in the busy city life of Barcelona? So where I'm going with this is that a lot of the stuff that we are doing are simple things. Uh, in addition to measuring our carbon footprint and literally weighing our trash, our recyclables, our composting. Those are the nitty gritty detailed stuff, our water consumption, our electric use. We also are doing subtle things like providing our guests with opportunities to choose a more eco-friendly sunscreen when they get here. Um, we have a loaner program with Badger Bomb and All Good Sunscreen. So if guests come with chemical sunscreen, they can use the sunscreen that we have. We're not preaching to them or making them feel shame for using the chemical. We're just like, here, here's an alternative that you can try that's healthier for your skin and healthier for our coral reefs. Um, you know, we also have a loaner program with Clean Canteen so that if people don't bring reusable water bottles, 
we're not going to shame them and say, hey, stop buying that single use plastic water bottle. But we are going to say, hey, you can use this water bottle while you're here and maybe consider buying a reusable water bottle when you get home. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing um, is definitely like focused on minimizing our impact here. But more importantly for us is sending mm -hmm. our guests back you home. Take back, yeah. 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 And, and yeah, yeah so, and yeah. So it's a learning for them and they take it back. And uh, your hope is that uh, they implement some of what um, they have learned or not learned, but what they have experienced at the lodge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And so they do it through, through active living. You know, that's a comment that we frequently get from guests is like, we really appreciate you guys because you're just doing it. You're not perfect. Nobody is. And you're authentic about that. And we get it. And thank you for that, you know? And so it's really nice to see that, um, you know, we have some subtle messaging in the lodge to, um, you know, facts about, you know, if you reduce your water consumption, this will happen. We have, a, you know, the first R on the signs in our lodge isn't recycle, it's refuse, right? And a lot of people don't teach that. So like, do we really need this? Refuse it. If you don't need it, refuse to use it, refuse to buy it, you know, and then reduce the things that you do need, you know, maybe you don't need so much of it, right? Uh, and so on and so forth. So, And the ocean does the work. The ocean does the work for us in the sense, and so does yoga. But for me, since I'm the lead instructor for yoga, it's like people come here and they have a fear for the ocean typically. And then when we teach them more about the ocean and how it functions and how waves function, then they start to have a deeper understanding and the fear kind of transitions into more of a respect because they understand and then once they start surfing and harnessing that energy of the ocean's wave, they feel so much stoke, what we call stoke in surfing, the happiness, right? The dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin, the endorphins. And that's what really gets them to fall in love with the ocean. And it's at that point in their learning journey, hopefully, that they go, hmm, since I love the ocean, what can I do back home to reduce my impact on it? Yeah. So you've seen um, over the years, you've seen this sort of transformation, um, you know, with your guests and you've obviously got feedback. Right. So um, so some some examples of, you know, where you've seen this positive change, where it could be um, some of your guests have come back. Uh, it's like a repeat. Mm -hmm. um, it could be. Mm -hmm them sending you messages it could be them um you know like encouraging others to come to you so that they can have similar experiences what what are some of the things that you've actually seen as a positive change and and i know you've mentioned that you know you, you you're very honest about the fact that you're not you're not sugarcoating anything and it's all um as raw and as um, as real as it can be, right? So you're not kind of wanting to be a lodge that um, says things um, just because you should, given that it's a very sustainable environment. So, you know, so what what is some of the feedback that you've got, which has encouraged you to do more? 
Thank you. That's a great question. So it was actually a, uh, a past intern who said to us that the experience here, so I don't know if you know about ocean waves, but ocean waves are started mainly from wind, from a storm. And so you have this chaotic storm with a bunch of wind and that wind then translates or transfers into the ocean and creates an orbiting column of energy that radiates outward. And then when it reaches our coastlines for something shallow is forced upward and breaks down. So where I'm going with this is that the intern said, Bodhi is kind of like the storm that causes a bunch of emotion, good, bad, ugly, great. And that each person is a wave going back to their community to impact more positive change. And I thought that was a really cool way of explaining what we are. Um, and to go and answer your question concretely, what we do on Fridays, every Friday, we have what is called a gratitude ceremony. And at that gratitude ceremony, our guests actually make a pledge. They literally hold pieces of wood that say, I pledge to, and then they write down the pledge. And some of the pledges are more serious and concrete and measurable. Like, literally, I want to quit my corporate job because of this, what, this, this, and this. And then there's others that are just, I want to smile more often. So some of the impact that we're having is very difficult to measure, right? Because it's human behavior change. And that needs to be told over a or during a longitudinal study, um, which we have done in the past. And we actually have articles that were published in peer-reviewed journals that speak about that. But concrete things, small things, like people didn't realize that they could compost at home. Uh, people didn't understand what a B Corp company was and that they could look for that logo and certification and buy from companies that are doing things differently, more responsibly. You know, so those are some of the things that people have said. Um, a lot of times back in, you know, five, six years ago, uh, a lot of the media was talking about single-use plastics. So we got a lot of people saying that they were going to reduce or refuse single-use plastics. Um, we've had some people even change their whole industry from what they were doing to something that they believe was more in line with some of their values. So... This is something that I would love to study. I would love to have somebody study it for us, you know, and actually interview guests before they get here, speak to them while they're on site, and then follow up with them six months and maybe even two years later down the road. And it's something that I've been discussing with organizations like the Transformational Travel Council um, to see, you know, okay, if we're talking about transformation and setting these experiences up to transform people. Like we have to be careful, you know, like I'm not transforming people. Yeah. That's, I'm not doing that. That's people's own work. They have to do that work. Yeah. All I'm doing is facilitating experience that might start that fire. Right. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I mean, that makes so much sense. This episode of Now Boarding a Travel and Tourism podcast is supported by Podcast Melting Pot Collection, which is an inspiring podcast series covering journeys of culturally diverse and passionate individuals. And it also envisions to be a leading platform for motivational storytelling that inspires listeners from all walks of life. Um, how do you engage the local community because around where the lodge is 
what mm -hmm. is if you could um just you know tell me a little bit about the community in itself mm -hmm. and then um how large is it and then you know what are some of their um their habits what uh a little bit about the culture of that community um that lives around you that's one and two then how do you engage with them um and yeah. and and have you seen any kind of um um have you empowered them in any way mm -hmm. so our community um sits in the district of bahia Bayana, which means whale bay and our community was primarily a fishing community and a cattle grazing community and in 1989 the costa rican government decided that it was going to declare our beach and marine area a national park so in 1989 the community that was living here at the time had to start transitioning out from their fishing activities into a different activity because it was now becoming a national park. And so there was a lot of conflict between the community. The community back then was probably population of a thousand, maybe less. Uh, and when I got here, it was popular in 2005, it was, it was about 2,500 to 3,000 people. And today we're pushing probably 6,000. Um, and, and that's not counting tourists. I'm talking about either yeah, uh, Costa Rican yeah. citizens, uh -huh, foreign residents, and then also what we call perpetual tourists, people that come and stay here for 90 days, leave the country for two or three, come back in, stay for 90 days, and do that for several years. Um, so there's there's an interesting uh, moment happening right now in terms of the community's growth. And the way I like to put it when I explain to people is like, we're a cranky teenager right now trying to figure ourselves out because after the pandemic, the community has grown significantly. So here we go from, you know, years ago to this small little coastal village um, with fishing people, uh, you know, fisher, fishing men and women. And then they slowly but surely start transitioning that activity into marine tourism, specifically whale watching. So our local economy is driven by whale watching and specifically it's the humpback whale that comes seven months out of the year here. Uh, we receive the Northern hemisphere whales uh, right now, that's actually the, the last month that we'll probably receive the Northern Hemisphere whales. And then come July, late, maybe August, uh, but for sure, September and October, we get the Southern Hemisphere whales. And so all the fishing people changed, not all of them, but some of them changed their activity from fishing to marine tourism. And a lot of them have benefited greatly. And then there are a few people that have decided to continue doing their artisanal fishing practices, and they have special licenses for that. Um, and so the community has definitely changed over the last 17 years since I've been here, and obviously more radically since, you know, 1989. Um, in terms of our community involvement and commitment, I was very fortunate that I came here initially as a volunteer and I was accepted by the community. Um, and I only say that because I was invited to play on the soccer team and soccer is the national sport for Costa Rica. And everybody loved that, that this gringo at the time, who's now a tingo, could play soccer and, and speak the language, right? And I got really involved with community-based projects and then continued that path, even though I stopped being a volunteer. And so our business, uh, it, it's a requirement for me personally, uh, not for the business, but that 
as an owner, I have to be actively involved on a board, whether that's the board of a nonprofit working in the community or the community foundation or a local government board. But that's how I were able to tap in as a business to really understand the needs of the community. Because a lot of businesses I feel come into a community and they develop their corporate social responsibility plan um, based on what they think the community needs. And uh, oftentimes they're missing the target because they're not consulting with community members. So our philosophy is like, let's get involved from the inside, figure out the needs and then strategize. So one of the things that we did and we wanted to try and influence other businesses to do, but it's been a hard journey is every full paying guest at Bodhi uh, on, on their behalf, we donate $20 to our local community foundation with the idea that because we're taking action, our guests will donate too. And so over the years, we have seen that people go, oh gosh, Travis, that's so great that Bodhi's donating $20. I'll go ahead and match that. And there are guests that have actually done a recurring donation of $100 every month for the past 72 plus months. Um, and then we also do an annual fundraiser. Uh, it's a surfathon, kind of leveraging the United States culture with jogathons, readathons. I thought, well, why don't we go surf and fundraise? And so uh, we did our first one in 2021 and we were able to achieve $6,000 roughly. Uh, and then in 2022, we made that event a little bit larger and networked a little bit better. And we ended up fundraising $17,000. Wow. And the goal for 2023 is going to be uh, $19,000. And the reason why it's $19,000 is because the funding is going to go to uh, a youth environmental leadership and language program that operates uh, uh twice a year here in the community. So it's to sponsor 25 students to get through this, this program. So we're heavily involved in the community. It's one of our main foundational tenants, if you will. And, uh, you know, my wife, Pilar, who I'm hoping will join us if she can, <laughs> she's the president of the Chamber of Tourism and Commerce uh, here too. So, you know, it, I think that business owners should be more actively involved in, by sitting on boards or volunteering for nonprofit organizations or community-based uh, organizations and bring that back to their business and say, okay, how can my business then tap in and help these organizations? Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. That's, you're absolutely right. That that kind of involvement, it, it also, you know, it gives the community uh, a sense of um, encouragement and, you know, and also uh, a sense of feeling that yes, um, they're not here just to because of the environment and they're able to take advantage and make money for themselves, but they're also helping empower us with education, with um, you know so many different uh, aspects. And and I think that's that's very very encouraging and and interesting. Um, what kind of, uh, which parts of the world do you normally get your guests from? Is it the United States? Our main, our main, yeah. Our main market is the United States, followed by Canada, then, uh, Europe and specifically in Europe, it's, it's Germany, um, Switzerland, France. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. And that's, a, that's another thing too, that I, I, I struggle with to be quite honest and to, to be vulnerable here in this podcast is surfing and yoga are so good, so good. And we are offering it to the world, but we're offering it to those that are economically privileged. Right. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I have this inner fight and I'm like, man, if this thing, these things are so good, how can we provide these, uh, things, week-long experiences, or just surf lessons, yoga, to people that don't have the money to afford it, because there are healing, uh, they heal people, surfing and yoga, and so part of our way of giving back is we have a surf and service Saturday program, whereby we go and give free surf lessons to community members that show up to provide community service that day, so we do beach cleanups or reforestation, and then provide free surf lessons. Um, and also my wife pre-pandemic was doing yoga for the community. So anyone in the community that wanted to learn more about yoga, not just the, not just doing the postures and stretching and sweating, but actually the philosophy, because here in Costa Rica, a lot of people think that yoga is actually a sinful thing. It's, it's looked upon negatively in the rural communities, in the cities, not so much, but in the rural communities, it almost has this negative connotation that it's like a... Eh, anti-cristo you know um so oh, okay. it's, it's, yeah. it's breaking down those barriers and, and trying to teach that it's not a religion um uh, you know first and foremost because that's what it oftentimes mistaken for so but going back to like you know the fact that yoga and surfing is so good for people and it's a struggle that i have because it's like okay is there a way that we can bring these things to more people uh, whether they're from our community or others that aren't as economically privileged as our current guests, you know, maybe start a fund, you know, that the guests contribute to. So then we can gift Brilliant. this gift yeah. to the other yeah. people. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. Wow. So um, what's next for Bovi? I mean, obviously you've got yeah. this very, very, um, passionate mission which you know I hear from our conversation that you're really really working um towards it and 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 making a difference but is there anything else that you have planned over the next few years to add on to what you're already doing we get that question a lot um from guests and other people how do you plan to grow Bodhi? What are your plans? You know, and we constantly tell people like infrastructurally wise, we don't want to grow any bigger than we are. We believe that small is beautiful. Yeah. And so where we can grow, right, is through a few ways. One is that we do offer surf lessons to uh, guests that are staying in the area, whether they're renting a home or staying at a hotel. So that business could continue to grow and in doing so we can create more employment opportunities for young uh, Costa Rican surfers, female or male that want to actually learn how to teach and have a decent paying job and do what they love and, you know, eh, move forward and then potentially become a guide for our week long programs or open up their own surf school, uh, you know. So that's one area where we could grow. And then the other is that during the pandemic, we realized that we had, uh, you know, something to offer people from afar, which was primarily our yoga philosophy courses, yoga uh, classes, 
And then we had also wonderful interviews from past guests, just interesting talks that people could listen to. We built out a Learn to Surf uh, series. And so we have an online subscription program. So that's another area where the company can definitely grow. Um, and so we're working on, on both of those aspects of the business. And then also really trying to figure out, like we talked about earlier, how do we continue measuring the impact that we're having in our guests? So really figuring out something that's light and nimble because we don't want to ask our guests to fill out, you know, 30 minute surveys, yeah. hour long phone calls, but something that, that could really then show us indeed that we are achieving the mission and hopefully we can then share what we're doing with other surfing yoga camps because i do believe that more more so with surf schools and surf camps they're missing it they're missing this opportunity that they have with people to teach them about environmental conservation and how to uh well there she is how to <laughs> minimize the Nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I mean, I know it's towards the end of the conversation, but at least, um, yeah. you know, I've been able to put a face uh, to the name, which is great. I did watch your documentary and, um, you know, and so I did sort of get an understanding of what uh, you're all about. And I heard you and I heard you as well, Travis, but it's interesting to, you know, to be able to have this conversation um, in a, in a, I mean, unfortunately, it has to be done remote, but um, at least it's there. And now I'm, I'm going to be able to share it to the wider world, which is, um, which is fantastic. So uh, yoga, when did you get into yoga? Well, I am. Uh... Um, I got into yoga in my early 20s. That was like two decades ago. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, it was like at that time, yoga was really weird, a weird thing in Costa Rica. And, but it's still like there were a few people that, that knew about it. And I always knew that I always felt I was going to be interested, like I was going to like it. Um, I like everything like Eastern philosophies. And um, so I knew I was going to like it. So yeah, I started, I practiced for like uh, two years here, maybe three, and then I decided I'd like it a lot. So I uh, I took, a, I wouldn't call it a sabbatical because I was working uh, abroad, but uh, so I could be able to study with teachers in the States and Europe. So yeah, that's how I got there. But you didn't travel to India? Eventually, yes. That you was um, almost 10 years ago, I went to India. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh. I almost lost her to India. She loves it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very um yeah, like it's another dimension. But yes, I did India. Yeah. Excellent. So I think surf and yoga um clearly um it has the synergy which, you know, I mean Travis has told me all about um the lodge and you know i've asked him a lot of questions we've been chatting for i don't know over 40 minutes now and uh so i've got a great understanding and i'm i'm, I'm really happy that you know i've been able to have this conversation with both of you now um so good luck and uh, i'm sure 
um, the next time I talk to you or I even come there, um, I think there will be, you know, a lot more some of the dimensions and um that travis you were saying that you're gonna you're trying to look into to see how um you can grow um what you're doing not physically in terms of the lodge but in terms of engagement and things like that which i think you're already doing a lot so um you know good luck and and i'm really really happy to have had this conversation with you and if there is anything that you know you'd like to to share with the listeners and the viewers in terms of any any kind of suggestions any anything that um uh, you feel from your end will by talking about it will kind of make a difference um please do go ahead both of you in terms of sustainability in terms of you know what what you think um you can through through what you do uh if you can communicate to the people what uh, they can also do in turn to to make a difference You want to go ahead? No, go for it. Uh, well, it's hard for me as I just was jumped into the conversation and I don't know what has been said or hasn't been. Um, so in terms of sustainability, uh, I worked uh, last year uh, with uh, heart on um, emphasizing like doing a lot of, uh, of uh, projects and initiatives in Bodhi and in the community. Um, you know, to like help this. And so all I'm saying is like, perhaps all over the world, there's people like interesting and like, yeah, I should do something. I should start something. So my advice is just do it. You, <laughs> you know, just start like that. Now there's never like the perfect time. It's like having kids, you know, there's never that, oh, okay. It's the time has come or anything like, um, and it start from like, if, if it, it might be overwhelming to like, uh, you know, get informed about everything that we can do. And, but maybe even committing to one action can have such a positive impact. Committing to one action, but committing. Or committing to a community effort. That is very important. Something we felt um, in, well, I, I would say, I have felt like sometimes we're, we're working as a community is that it is hard for people to commit. And, you know, we all have things to do. We all have to and like, um, it is not like uh, you don't have time. You have to make the time somehow. You have to make the time. You have to put the energy. It's on you. Um, and sometimes I feel like uh, when it comes to sustain sustainability efforts, it looks like something additional aside that we could do. Maybe it's we should be looking at it more like a responsibility. You yeah. know, that uh, this is our house. Yeah. Uh, and it's the house of many other living things. And um, it's a, a responsibility, it's a respect it's a thing. It's a, it's a value that we have to start adding in the, in the values we hold strong in our communities and societies. It has to be included now, so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're so, so right. I mean, you know, you, if, if it's a thought and if you know that it's going to make a difference and it's going to help whether it's a community or 
you know, uh, or an environment, then just don't hesitate and go ahead and do it. That's what you know is exactly. your message. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, yeah just because it. otherwise, yeah, exactly. We all have good ideas. We all have things we could do. Yeah. Um, the thing is, sometimes I feel like uh, we think, oh, I that we have the idea, but someone else should do it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's yeah. it, 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 if if it, the idea comes from us, just do it. You know? Yeah. And and um, and both of you are are an example of that, right? Um, the way you um, the way you actually um, came to this this area, and you know, and what kind of prompted you, and like like Travis was saying that um, he didn't obviously want to go back to the states, and you came into his life, and all of that, and then how you know, you, you really wanted to see what you could do and how you could make a difference. And then, and that's it. And then that's how Bodhi Self and Yoga was born. Uh, so, and, and you're doing amazing work. And, and I'm sure there is a message in this for a lot of people who are listening and, and watching. So thank you again to both of you. And um, take care. And, you know, and I'm sure we meet again soon. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, please come down. Most definitely. I will. Thank you very much. I will most, most definitely. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> okay. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Now Boarding, a travel podcast. Check out other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And of course, don't forget to share your thoughts with us. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes only on Now Boarding, a travel podcast.